It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Hey, Raider Nation, it's time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Just search Silver and Black today. We certainly appreciate that. Welcome back, everybody. Feeling good still after Sunday's big win over the Chargers, I'm sure. Joining me, as always, here on the podcast is my co-host, my partner in crime. That is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the senior NFL, national NFL writer, that is, for Bleacher Report. You can catch him up there, as well as the Raiders columnist over at sportsnot.com. So if you're not reading him, go there as well. You can also follow him on Twitter, at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Uh, Mo, uh, listen, you've had time to watch the game. You're busy on Sundays covering the entire NFL. Give me your initial impressions. Uh, I was impressed with the win overall after a small and short, kind of disappointing start on offense. The Raiders put it together there. But most importantly, I was, uh, I guess, pleasantly surprised by the way that defense started off and held throughout the game. Down in the streets say, let your praise be as loud as your criticism. <laughs> I would like to dedicate this episode to the breakout of Chandler Jones. Double nickel, who, baby. Who's, who's over the past two weeks, who has hopped off the milk carton and back on the football <laughs> field and added some push to the Raiders' pass rush that helped them win that game against the Chargers. If you look at it, that game from start to finish, Justin Herbert really couldn't get settled in the pocket. He was constantly moving around. Now, he's good throwing the football on the move, but when you have to constantly do that, it can cause some issues, and the Raiders are able to take advantage of that. Yeah, and Mo, we're going to get into specifics around offense and defense throughout the show, by the way. What I want to do now, though, is talk about this Raiders team in general. Mo, they come off a three-game winning streak on a short week. They're going to Los Angeles to play the Rams, who continue to sputter due to injuries. Matthew Stafford gone for the season as well. So this team seems to be ready to pack it in. And like we talked about with the Raiders early in the season, you don't tank on purpose, but you certainly can start to hold guys back uh, who need health uh, adjustments or need to get healthy. And that's what the Rams are doing. So the Raiders, by no means are they assured of a win. But if you look at this team, how dangerous are they? The way the Raiders are playing now is inspired. They seem to be playing for one another. They seem to be playing for their coach, for their quarterback. You name it, the players who were silent earlier in the year, like Chandler Jones, we mentioned at the top of the show, they're coming along. The young defensive backs are playing better. Deron Harmon is the leader back there, the captain. How dangerous is this team? And should, we talked about it last week, not saying the P word, should Raider fans feel excited about the chance that you predicted they're still going to go 10 and 7? Uh, Raider fans who follow me on Twitter are familiar <laughs> with this phrase. 
10 and 7 is still mathematically possible. I'm yes. just saying. Um, a lot of Raider fans gave me crap when the Raiders started off 2 and 7. So every time the Raiders win a game from here until they're mathematically imp- uneligible to win 10 games, I'm going to use that line. But I think Raiders fans should be absolutely um, not satisfied, but excited. Because we went from fire Josh McDaniels today, right now, to maybe this could work out. Maybe we could go for a run. <laughs> so I, I tune into a lot of these press conferences, just a side tangent. I tune a lot into every Raiders press conference, especially on Mondays. And while the Raiders are two and seven, of course, it was every comment fire Josh McDaniels, fire him now, fire this person, fire that person, bench this person, let's move on, let's draft the quarterback. Now you go into the press conference chat rooms and it's very quiet. Then it's like, oh, maybe we should extend Jerry Tillery. Maybe we should extend this player. Maybe we should extend that player. So there's clearly some excitement within the fan base, and rightfully so. Still a lot of work to be done to dig themselves out of the hole they put themselves in. But when you look ahead and you mention the Rams, uh, really quick, not a trap game. When you're 5-7 and seven out of 500, there are no trap games on the schedule. Let's just put that out there. I don't care if John Wolfer's the quarterback. I don't care if Denzel Washington's the quarterback. Doesn't matter. When you're five and seven, there are no trap games. You just take it one game at a time. You try to get yourself back into the playoff picture, which you're trying to do. But I would be excited coming into the uh, another one of the Raiders' homes. I should say one of the Raiders' homes in, in the NFL and going to Los Angeles to face the Rams when they have a backup quarterback on the center. Now, of course, Mo, as you mentioned, if, if you want to talk, and, and, and a lot of people say, as you sort of said just there too, it might be premature to talk about playoffs, but the reality is they're the 10th seed right now in the playoffs. They're a game behind the chargers because they now have a better interdivision in the AFC West. They're three and two the chargers are two and three. Uh, but still, even if the Raiders went out, which could happen, the schedule again, there's no givens in the NFL, but they certainly have a better schedule. When you look at San Francisco lost another quarterback, you look at this Rams team, the only team that seems to be one that really looks like an uphill, uphill battle is against the Chiefs the last week of the season, so you never know what can happen. But you look at help that the Raiders would need, and you look at the schedules of the other AFC teams. The New York Jets, who have a tiebreaker with the Raiders in the AFC, uh, have a tough schedule, including Miami, Buffalo, some other teams. All the teams ahead of the Raiders in the playoff race have really tough matchups, more difficult than them. But all the Raiders can do, and this is what I hear a lot of fans, and I'm encouraged by that, is listen, one game at a time, just keep winning, and you can't worry about the rest of the stuff until maybe, just maybe, you get to that last game of the season and you win and you're in. You know what this feels like, Scott? I'm not going to say the P word, but this feels very similar to last year. Last year, absolutely. When the Raiders went on that late season run and they were waiting to see if Darren Waller would come back, a lot of fans are asking me, are Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro going to come back for that Thursday game? I will say this. If Josh McDaniels is not going to give you an answer, a straight answer, you're not going to get a straight answer from me because they in that building know. But from what I hear from Josh McDaniels on Monday, it doesn't sound like – this is not a report, but it doesn't right. sound like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are going to play because he did mention it's a short turnaround, yep. playing a game on Sunday to playing a game on Thursday – Everything is pretty much condensed. You're not going through full a full week of practices. You're basically going through walkthroughs. So I doubt Hunter Renfro and Weller play, but that's not a report. That's just my estimated guess. 
Well, and not only that, Mo, but look, they're winning without those guys. Yes, are you better with them if they come back and they can perform? But the reality is you've won three in a row without them. So why rush him back if you can get him to you get him an extra uh, extra few days, by the way, because you get the little mini buy between this Rams and Patriots game. And so why wouldn't you do that? I know fans are very skeptical and down on Darren Waller right now. Not so much Hunter Renfro, but on Darren Waller. And I get that. Uh, but you have to give it time. Now, you look at this this Chargers win. Let's just re- revisit that one time, Mo, because I want to get your impression. Two things stuck out. We talked about Chandler Jones at the top of the uh, of the show where you said he came off the milk carton. Thank goodness, finally, we can put that to bed. Uh, and he performed really well, really set the pace on defense, in my view, for the entire game. Denzel Perryman also, again, third game in a row where he's just been on fire too. But I have to tell you that that, that interior – of the defensive line. You mentioned Jerry Tillery. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That interior, we've been talking about that for how long, that they had to, no matter how good the book ends were, even if Jones had been better to start the year in rushing the quarterback, and you have Max Crosby, of course, still a defensive player of the year candidate, we said all along, and I heard a lot of other pundits say too, you got to get the rush up the middle, you got to get the rush up the middle. So you bring in Jerry Tillery, who was really... He wasn't dismissed from the Chargers because he didn't have talent and couldn't play anymore. That was a personality issue. He was not comfortable in that organization, the coaching staff. There was some bad blood there. How big of an acquisition could this Jerry Tillery acquisition be uh, if if he continues to play like this? They have 11 sacks since he showed up in the center of that defensive line. Mo, this could be one of those those gems, if he's willing to sign, if they're willing to extend him, uh, that that you think about years from now. Absolutely. It's one of those uh, midseason pickups where you pick up a guy from another team who's way for whatever reason, and you're like, okay, I think he he's earned his extended stay beyond the current season. I think Jerry Tilly is trending toward that direction. If you watch the, the, the Chargers' first couple of drives, his impact is is clear immediately. He's flushing Justin Herbert outside the pocket. He's forcing Justin Herbert to step up in the pocket, which allowed Chandler Jones to get his sacks and his hurries. I wrote an article on Sports Not Today that Chandler Jones' production isn't coming out of thin air. I know a lot of fans want to look at it as he's just playing a lot better, but it's it's a lot, I don't want to say complicated, but it's a lot more complex than that. And you alluded to it is when you have interior pass rushers, that helps your edge rusher guys because now, again, you're, the quarterback is now being flushed outside the pocket. Right. He's being moved off his spot, which allows your outside guys to make plays. So it's not a coincidence that the Raiders claimed Jerry Tillery, I believe, on November 14th. Mm-hmm. And now weeks later, you're seeing Chandler Jones make more plays. I, I, I tweeted a, a stat. Chandler Jones had 13 quarterback pressures between weeks 1 and 11. He has 14 over the last two weeks. <laughs> that coincides with Jerry Tillery getting more plays on the inside. And also, a lot of people are not talking about this, Bilal Nichols has stepped up. He has yes. a tackle for a loss or a quarterback hit in each of the last three games. So with those two guys playing well in the interior, it's not a coincidence that you're getting more production 
out of Chandler Jones. Absolutely. And, and to me, that is one of the things that people get too caught up in edge rushers and they think that they just create now Max Crosby yep. was, was, was killing it. Right. But imagine how more effective he would have been uh, with these, with this guy in the middle and Bilal Nichols playing up to the potential we thought he had in the preseason. And so uh, it's, it's remarkable. And that defense is better for it. And you see what's happening also by doing better up front, both on the edge and in the in the middle, you're also giving your defensive backfield a relief, right? You're giving them a little more time. You're giving them the ability to play better, and we've seen that. Talk about, Mo, the, the, the impact of Deron Harmon on this team. And again, you and I are not in the locker room, and I don't even need to be in this case, to not only see the impact he's had as the captain on the field— but the impact he's clearly having off the field, because these guys, it looks like they're he is the Pied Piper in that defensive backfield. They're following him, and you're seeing them get better. You're seeing Amik Robertson continue to develop into a good player who's gonna maybe not a Pro Bowl player ever or a starter completely ever, but he's a good player. And then you see Nate Hobbs come back from the injury and perform well as uh, as he jumps out there. But Deron Harmon's impact, talk about that and what it means for this team overall this season. His impact is very similar to Casey Hayward last year. I would say mm. Jordan Harmon is more vocal. Uh, Casey Hayward more of a lead-by-example type of guy. But as far as their production is concerned, last year Hayward was able to shut down his side of the field. Jordan Harmon, different type of impact. He's all he. Whenever the ball is loose, he's around the football. Wherever the football is, that's where you'll find Jordan Harmon. Whether it's a pick six or a fumble recovery or just jarring a ball loose to allow his uh, teammates to pick up a fumble. He's the guy around the football, and I think the Raiders' defense has needed that because for years, the Raiders' defense has struggled in advancing the ball, forcing turnovers, and that was always their weakness. No matter what defensive coordinator they had, Raiders always had issues forcing turnovers, and I think Deron Harmon brings that specifically on the back end of that defense. And as you said, it goes hand-in-hand. When your secondary is playing better and your defensive line is playing better, it's complimentary football. So now your your edge rushers can get to the ball faster your your interior guys can get to the ball while your guys are covering the back end and you guys in the back end get more help because now the quarterback has less time to throw the football guys like Chandler Jones uh Max Crosby are forcing the quarterback to throw some errant throws downfield so again works hand-to-hand complimentary football Mo you look at this Raiders team and and yes there's there's still quite the hill to climb and some things have to go their way if they're even to consider uh postseason play but if you're a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, you look at the Raiders schedule the rest of the way, and they have uh, several of those teams that they're going to be playing, including the Patriots. The Patriots are 6-6, six and six, but they are still right there on the cusp of, of being uh, there, what, two games or a game behind the Jets. Um, and and that, that in itself is something for this Raider team to play for. But how dangerous are they, not only for their own chances to make the playoffs, but also to play spoiler, including in that last game against the Chiefs. If this team continues to improve as it has, uh, you're not a team that wants to play the Raiders down the stretch, are you? No, I, I mean, if you look at it, I believe I saw, and I, I looked this up actually myself, they had the second longest current win streak along mm-hmm. with, I believe, along with the Buffalo Bills at three. So, you know, right now they're hot. <laughs> so I don't think any team goes into it thinking, oh, it's just the five, the five and seven Raiders. We got this. They're, 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 not, they're not a tomato can on, on the schedule by any means. So right. sometimes it takes a team to peak at the right time. And 
after Thanksgiving is the perfect time. If you're a team on the fringe, on the outside of the of the P picture, because I'm not going to say the P word, <laughs> but if you're on the if you're on the outside of the P picture and you're looking inside, you're looking to peak around Thanksgiving. And then if you go on a run, as I said, the Raiders did last year, you can make a lot of things happen because, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, quarterbacks are getting hurt. Guys are getting fatigued. Injuries are starting to pile up. You don't know who's going to be on the opposing side of the field when you play them. Of course, you're not taking any anybody lightly. But when you're playing good football toward the end of the season, you have that momentum, things can fall in your favor. They could. Uh, and we are going to pick up the discussion in just a minute. We're going to take our first break here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about the defense. I want to delve into what has changed. We talk a little bit about the play up front, of course, and the play in the defensive backfield, Deron Harmon, Nate Hobbs, so on and so forth. But we want to talk a little more about what Patrick Graham may be doing to help that defense do better on the field. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. We're coming right back.